You're listening to the Choose to Be podcast with host Alana Gordon and Amy Wolsey. As you join us each week, we will provide you with tools, resources, and knowledge to help you navigate your healing journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Hey everyone, so glad you are here with us today. Welcome to our conversation. We hope that you have been enjoying and gaining some insight on these past few um, episodes that we've been doing around motherhood and healing through your trauma. And so today we're going to, again, piggyback off a little bit. We were talking about last week and something that, that a lot and I both, I think have experienced ourselves, but also see working with clients is when we are dealing with our trauma we're having triggers due to our own betrayal trauma that we're trying to manage and and navigate through. And then as a mom, we've got this whole other element that comes when our kids trigger us. I think for me personally, what I really related to this is, so one of my triggers was lying. I could not handle people lying to me anymore. That was a massive trigger. So when my children, who the youngest at the time was in an age where that was normal brain development to lie, it triggered me and I would literally lose my crap. So things like that, that would happen. And we'll talk a lot about that today and hopefully help you notice this. I didn't realize that this was happening, honestly, before I I learned about this. So hopefully this can open your eyes a little bit and, and maybe relieve, honestly, a little bit of unnecessary shame that you're probably putting on yourself because you're probably flying off the handle at your kids, which I did (laughs) because I was so mad, but realizing why, and then learning tools to be able to manage that as well, hopefully is what you'll walk away with today. Trauma doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't happen to only you. It happens at a very systemic level, which is really annoying. And I say annoying because we would all like that if we are going through something that's really traumatic, that we can keep it to ourselves, that it does not impact other people. But the reality is your husband's choices have impacted you and your experience of handling that impacts your children. And so everybody, we just have to put it out there. Everyone is impacted, whether they know it or not, everyone is going to be impacted and we can have a lot of triggers come through our children. Some of the triggers may be, they're just being kids and they do things that take us past our window of tolerance. Meaning say one of your kids spills milk and you're already at your emotional capacity level. And that just takes you over the top. We could be talking about those type of triggers or what you talked about, Amy, which is so common is our kids make poor choices and that triggers a really deep fear of, oh crap, who are they going to be? Our brains, when we're going through trauma tends to go to 50 years in the future, long-term consequences. And so all of a sudden our five-year-olds lied to us. Our 16-year-old doesn't come home on time are whatever your old does, whatever. 
And all of a sudden our brain is going to places like, oh my word, is he going to be like my husband? Is he going to have an addiction? Is he going to do this to his future wife? Is my daughter going to be attracted to a man who's going to do this to her? And it can just go down this rabbit hole of really just thoughts and pains and fears. And so we want to talk about just what to do when some of these triggers come up, what some of these fears are, and um, hopefully empower you. So our goal is to be able to help you be able to help them. Absolutely. And I, as you're talking, I'm having all of these, my own personal experiences just kind of flood my mind because I really, really went through this a lot. I still do. I, I can't even say that in past tense. I still have to manage this in myself and I'm still learning through this. And when you're talking, one of the things that kind of came to mind is, especially when our children start to emulate similar behaviors, like you were saying, that were destructive. Then what happens is my brain, like you said, immediately goes to, oh my gosh, they're going to end up just like their father. And because of where I was at that time, my feelings, my emotions in my healing process, all the things I felt about him at that time, I carried over to mothering and how I handled the discipline and the teaching on that spectrum. So I took all of my emotions that I had with my ex-husband and brought those over to my relationship with my children. And I realized how dangerous that was. It took one time that this flew out of my mouth and it was you're going to be just like your father. And I've regretted it ever since. Mm. And I am so glad that my higher self hyped up really quick at that moment to correct me. And I was able to apologize. And I, I've never done that since two things. Number one, I don't want my children to think that their father who created them, mm-hmm. they're a part of him is bad because that means they're bad. They will interpret that. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the behaviors are not okay, but I know that man is 100% of worth and value. No matter what he is just making choices that have given him his own life experience that I want nothing to do with anymore. But my kids do not need to see, like, I've got to separate those two. And that, that's why I'm telling you, I'm still working on this because this is freaking hard, but I, I'm hoping that you really start to mull over and start to just notice your own feelings and thoughts around this and how it might be, how you might be taking that over into your parenting. And I, I want to say so compassionately that it's okay to get it wrong. And if you notice that you've been doing this, it's not too late. It's not doom and gloom. This is why we're here. And I actually think it's the most beautiful experience to go to your children and let them know what you just learned. You know what? I just realized that this is what I've been doing and I didn't know. And I'm learning. Will you forgive me? And will you be patient with me while I try to do this differently? Because I don't want you to think that you're bad. I don't want you to think that if you're like your father, it's wrong or bad. So 
this can be a really amazing experience and bonding moment with your kids. So I just wanted to put that out there. It doesn't have to be, oh my gosh, overwhelming shame. Well, and you can have this conversation, whether they're three, 13, 23, 33, 53, it doesn't matter. Healing is still healing. And those attachment connections, those attachment bonds that we have with our parents go so deep that it does not matter if your kids are grown or tiny, you can still be doing this today. And I love this thing that you brought up because what we tend to do or kids tend to do is they watch and they say, okay, dad did these things that were bad. I don't know what they were, or maybe I do know what they were. Now mom doesn't love him or mom's mad at him, or now they're not living together or now they're divorced. And so a lot of times well, kids will put together often subconsciously, if I do something bad, mom's going to send me away. Or if mom, if I do something bad, mom's not going to love me. And so they start attaching their worth to their actions. And unfortunately, this is not something that happens cognitively. So if they're doing this, often they don't even realize they're doing it. You don't realize they're doing it. And so this is something that I share because I want you to be aware of that as part of your dialogue, you can help your kids know that you love them no matter what, because it's a different relationship that you have with your spouse than with your children but they don't know that. Right. And then this is why they lie or, or hide or deceive or gaslight because again, to your point, subconsciously, they're like, Oh no, 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 no. Mom can't associate me with that. She'll, she won't love me. It, it is a very, very real thing. And so really, yes, it's triggering when they lie, but we've got to understand maybe why they're lying, especially if they're older than seven and in teenage years, especially it actually might be more conscious than subconscious at that point, but yeah, you know, and you said she won't love me, but I think something else that happens too with kids is again, either subconsciously or consciously they go, she can't handle it if I do this. So a teenager might go, okay, if I don't hide this mom can't handle that. And it could be they're doing it kindly to protect you, or it could be she's going to fly off the handle. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they go to this protective place, but you see even little kids as young as like 18 months old, trying to take care of their parents and their emotions. And so recognizing that this is also another piece of it. There's a reason why people do what they do. And as parents, sometimes because we get scared and we go to this fear place, we want to go to these extreme consequences of like, oh, I got to snuff that out. I got to get rid of this so fast, right? I got to get this out of them that a lot of times we almost through this shaming reinforce the exact things that we so desperately don't want for them. Isn't that fascinating? That fascinates me. I just, I, not only because I, you know, saw that in myself but, and still have to really manage, man, manage my thoughts. I mean, I was just telling you before we jumped on that I had an experience this morning where I had a child that, that triggered me and triggered this thing that I have inside of me that is really, really frustrating because of the experience I've had with it, the, the trauma experience I had with this behavior. And I went to 
big time anger and it really sticking that whole scenario in neutral, not a big deal, but kind of funny, (laughs) but yeah, went to massive anger. And so that's when, so let me just walk you through what I did. Okay. At this point. So realized I was super, super angry. So number one, I noticed. Okay. And then it was like, wow, I'm feeling it. And then I went to my body and I noticed where I was feeling that in my body. And I noticed that it was a little bit different this time. My hands were actually clenched this time. Usually it's not. And that was interesting. So as I just let myself notice what was happening in my body. And then I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'm this angry over, over this behavior. And honestly, I think at that point realize it was a little unnecessary to be this angry over that behavior. So why? And then I started asking myself, why? I wonder why I'm this angry. And I listened to my thought. Okay. Well, I wonder why I'm thinking that. And I did those five whys to get to the very root thought, which it came and it was like, Oh, there it is. That's exactly why I'm thinking this. Isn't that interesting? And immediate, well, about a couple minutes later, when I really owned that thought, cause it's an, it was an embarrassing thought, like not embarrassing. That's not the right word. Almost like, Oh, I shouldn't be thinking that. that's what it was. Oh my gosh. That's what I'm thinking. I shouldn't be thinking that. And then I'm like, but I am, and that's okay. All right, take a couple deep breaths and it slowly started to dissipate. So that's how I handled that moment. And I didn't even approach this child at all with this yet. I had to process Mm -hmm. myself first. Now I actually have had a couple different options come to mind on how to handle this situation and I would not have thought of the, this way if I had reacted in my anger. Wow. That's such a great example because you doing your work protected you and it protected your child from your anger and your response. So when you took the time to process it, and sometimes as parents, we have that, like, we have to fix it now. We have to address it now. But the reality is, is a few hours, even a few days is not going to make or break the situation, but what can make or break it, the, the, what can make or break it is handling it when we're actually not ready to handle it. Oh, right on. In fact, I was at first mad that I had already dropped them off for school, (laughs) that I couldn't address it right away. I was like, dang it. And I like, literally the thought was like, I'm going to that school. I'm going to that school. But I'm so grateful that I had dropped them off for school because to your point, yeah, it gave me some time to really come up with some, some very cool options that, that I found to, to handle this in in a different way. Now, let me just tell you, this is not how I handle it a hundred percent of the time. This has taken practice, lots and lots of practice and years of practice. So Yes, this particular time I was able to do it in this order fairly quickly, but that does not happen all the time. And I don't want to give a false sense of my reality. <laughs> I, I definitely mess it up and get it wrong. Well, ditto, <laughs> ditto at all of that. And I think sometimes when we react in the situation, 
we can tend to overreact, overgive consequences, go to a place of shame. Another thing we tend to do is we tend to character assault. So just like you said, where you're going to be like your dad or you're so lazy or you're this, the minute that we're telling somebody that there's something, we are putting a label on them. We're telling them that this negative thing is their identity. That is so not helpful. And so the, the alternative to that is I love you and this behavior is not okay because of this and this. And so really taking the time to do your processing so you can separate them from the behavior. Because when, as parents, we want to address things with them, we really want to address the behaviors. So powerful. I tell my kids, you're not your brain. You are not your brain. You are not your body and you are not your brain. You are 100% of worth and value. You are infinite. You are a son or daughter of God. That is who you are. Helping them distinguish the difference because then they can start to be less shame resilient on their own. You're teaching them how to separate. Oh, that's something that my brain told me to do or feel or think. What do I want to think or feel? And helping them just notice the difference is really powerful. And so that's just something that I say to them. Well, maybe that's what your brain told you to do, but what do you want to do? Because you're not your brain. I love that. And when I'm working with men who struggle with addiction or who have made poor choices, one thing I will say to them, and this is really hard for women to hear who are still in the thick of it, but I will say, you are not your choices. Those were choices you made, but that's not who you are. If I were to take a little newborn baby and put it in front of you, and I would ask you, does this baby have value? Almost all people would say, yeah. And I would say, well, how do you know? The baby hasn't done anything yet. Like, why would you say this baby has value? Well, because at some level, you believe that people are inherently born with value. Well, at what point does your value go away? Does your value go away if you make a wrong choice? Does your value go away if you are four years old and you lie or you're 14 years old and you take your parents' cars? Does your value disappear with that? No, no, the value is still there, is inherently there. And it's there for your kids. And so I just want you to like pay attention. When Amy was talking about your kids, were you like mopping that up and going, yeah, totally. And then when I made that comment about your husband, did your brain go, mm, nope, doesn't apply to him, right? Too painful. Just, just pay attention to what comes up with that. Yeah. I think that's really a, a part of the healing journey. And I will tell you, it took me years to be able to get to that place where mm-hmm. I said what I said earlier, that my ex is 100% of worth and value, no matter what he is infinite. And the reason why this is actually why I think it's so hard for a lot of us to walk away. Those that are in the situation where divorce is looking more and more eminent. I think this is why it's so hard 
because myself included and almost every woman I've met with who's in this situation makes a comment of, yeah, but he's a really good guy. I see his potential. I know it's in there. I, I want to work it out. I want it to be that couple that makes it work. And I remember distinctly thinking, we're going to make it and we're going to stand before God. And it's going to be amazing because we made it through because I know what he's capable of, know his potential. And that's why it was so hard to walk away that because I was holding on to what I knew and had honestly a beautiful gift and ability to see his infinite worth. I think that's one of the most amazing gifts that women have is that they can see other people's infinite worth, but it was mixed in with all the behavior that was not okay and not healthy. Mm, Yes. Which goes back to, you can have infinite value and you can still protect yourself from behaviors. Value and behaviors are two different things, right? So you can totally know that they have value, see their potential as a human being because that value is full and complete, but you can still have boundaries to protect yourself from poor behaviors. And going back to the motherhood piece of it, you can still have boundaries with your kids. You can have this complete empathy and understanding and see their value and still have a home that has healthy boundaries not extreme boundaries, not porous boundaries, but a nice balance of healthy boundaries. You absolutely can have that. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about that because I, I think there's a lot of, I'm going to assume there's a lot of women that haven't even thought about implementing boundaries with children. So what does that really look like? Maybe we can come up with some examples of what that would look like creating boundaries with children. When I do boundary work with people, I come back to these if then statements because I feel like it's a really simple formula to get your brain thinking. Similar to when we do work with boundaries with your spouse and with yourself, where we go through the uh, bill of rights where I have the right to this, I have the right to this, I have the right to this. I like to start with kids on what do you want the environment to look like? What do you want the environment in your home to be? To kind of do some work around that yourself. Now, you have to do this work with this thought in mind of going, okay, but I can't control, right? What do I have in my control? What do they have in their control? But what type of environment do I want? One big, big, big thing that I want in my home after going through all this is I want a shame-free environment. That does not mean a consequence-free environment. It means a shame-free environment, which I'll go into in a minute. But with those boundaries, I like to think of if-then, and I like to make boundaries really simple and really clear. Whether I'm talking about with my husband or with a coworker or with my kids, I'm not going to muddle it up with a ton of stuff. So for example, if one of my kids is yelling at me, that's not respectful. I try not to yell at my kids and I ask that they don't yell at me. So if you choose to yell at me, then I will remove myself from the conversation. Depending on their age, they may have to go up to their room. They may have to go take some time and settle down. You get to have feelings, please have feelings. You get to share feelings, but you have to do it in a way that's still appropriate. I think that one is a great example because that applies to every age. I mean, 
we're, we're doing this with our little people and sometimes with our big people, but again, acknowledging it's okay to feel, but there's an appropriate way to do that. And if you feel like you need to scream and yell and punch your pillow, please go to your room. When you're ready to have a conversation, I am ready to listen. That's a great boundary for any age. And I like how you started off with like, okay, what, what environment do you want in your home? And I want to just offer this thought that came to me not long after I had left and finally got into a little small apartment with my kids after I moved out of my parents' house. And it was like a new beginning and it was this cute little apartment and we're all crammed in there. But this thought came over me of, okay, this needs to be a healing home. And I want my children, when they walk through that door, to be able to feel the healing power in this home. And what is, what do I, what can I do to create that for them? So that when they walk through the door, they can drop all the crap that they deal with during the day and feel all of it and know that it's safe to feel every emotion. There's no such thing as a bad emotion there. And this is what I chose to do. Not everyone needs to do that, but I chose to say, um, allow them to even say whatever they wanted to like words, like swearing in our house was now allowed. There were a couple of my kids. That's how they felt their anger. They were doing it anyways. And I'm like, okay, fine. Let's just bring it on. He's trying to keep it in the home, (laughs) but I, I wanted them to know that whatever they felt like they needed to do was okay in this home. It's a healing place. We can, we can talk to each other. We can help each other through this. And so I just, it was really cool to see all the different ideas that, that I, that came to my mind along, along the way to keep that healing environment. So that's one thing that I did. And to your point, because I decided that's the environment I wanted to have in my home. When you use those words, a healing home, build a, build a healing home. Like my heart was just like, oh, yes. Cause that's so beautiful because we all need a safe place to be. We need a safe place to feel a safe place to explore who we are as we grow and develop and become the people we are meant to become. And so creating that, that healing home, I just love the verbiage of that. I love those words put together. And that kind of leads into this shame resilient home of what that looks like, because shame is the lifeblood of so many addictions. It's not the only reason of addiction, but it feeds addiction and it feeds depression and anxiety and so many other things. And shame is not one of those things that we're never going to have. It's just part of being human and living on this earth, but we also don't have to have shame by our throat, nor do we have to have a home filled with shame. So really quick, Brene Brown does a ton of shame work. If you've never heard of her, do yourself a favor, look her up. She is, she's my hero. If I could choose one person to spend a day with or have an interview with or anywhere in the world, she'd probably be my person that I would want. Okay. Seriously, girl, one day we are going to get her on our podcast. I'm literally putting that out there right now. This is our goal. Brene 
Renee, (laughs) if you hear this, Hey, we will have her on our podcast because yes, I feel it with you. I love her. But as she talks about shame, she explains the difference is guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. And it, it is easy to fall into shame patterns when we don't know what they are. There's an audio recording that Brene did called men, women, and worthiness. It's two and a half hours long. I just love it because she just goes into how shame shows up for men, how shame shows up for women, which you can totally relate it to your kids. And then she talks about the antidote for shame, which is empathy and how to use that. So I love it. But as I've learned more about shame, I went, and this is okay. So this is vulnerable, but the way I raised my first three kids is very different than the way I raised my younger two. And Amy, did I already say this on the last podcast or was this in group? Pretty sure it was in group. Okay. So with my older three, if anyone would look at them, they would be like, you have such good kids. And I was told that all the time, like people would stop us in a restaurant and they'd be like, oh my word, your kids are amazing. And I'd always be like, thank you. Yeah. Right. Pats on the back. Like I'm doing so good. And, but the reality was, is they were really scared to truly be themselves in, in a lot of ways, they were really happy kids, but in other ways, when it came to them making mistakes, they didn't feel that there was much room to make mistakes. I really lived by this, try to live life as perfectly as we can. And they adopted that and as I learned more and more about shame and healthy parenting, there were so many things of like, oh my gosh, I have to have self-compassion that I was doing my best for the information that I had then. And now I'm doing my best with the additional information that I have today. But it was, it's been really interesting as I've been trying to shift that and make room for my kids to be imperfect make room for my kids to make mistakes and to not get it all right. And when they get a terrible grade, I'm not going to worry about the grade. I'm going to worry about was their effort, how they're processing the grade. Do they have a plan for the future? It's not about that end result. It's about the process. And am I there by their side? Am I showing them that I love them despite what this piece of paper says? This type of shame environment, I really believe starts with you of letting them see you be real and make mistakes and struggle so they can also watch you work your process so they know what to to do when life doesn't go the way that they think it should or when they make mistakes that they don't really want to make. Yeah. And as you're talking, uh, another scenario comes to mind and what I'm thinking is how often I associated my worth and value as a mom mm. yeah. with how they were, how they lived their life experience. And so if they behaved in a way that <laughs> I thought was inappropriate, then I made that mean something about me. So I actually parented out of my own shame. So for example, yeah. if my child 
misses an appointment that is really important, <laughs> I flew off the handle. I absolutely flew off the handle and just jumped on their throat. And then of course, luckily, because I've been trying to practice this, my awareness, I was like, okay, whoa, where did that come from? And so I stopped and I was, and I did the whole, okay, why am I feeling this way? What am I doing? And it came down. The very root thought was that this doctor that he had an appointment with was going to think that I am a bad mom, that I messed up because my kid didn't keep this appointment. And it was disrespectful that he didn't keep this appointment. And somehow that's my fault. So I was reacting out of my own shame, thinking that I was honestly thinking that I was teaching him how to not, how to be more responsible. (laughs) But that whole way that I approached that was out of shame, my own, and then creating it for him. So here's how I fixed that. (laughs) And I said this before, it's okay when we get this wrong, we're supposed to get it wrong. All right. And I didn't go there. I didn't like crap all over myself. It was like, all right, wow. Just saw how I did that. And I was able to say to my child, whoa, I totally just realized what I did. Can I have a do-over? Oh, right. You just owned your mistake to your child so they could see you make a mistake. And then you showed them how to clean it up. Mm -hmm. That's hard to do. That takes a lot of practice, but that's pretty, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful parenting. We're all in this together for crying out loud. I mean, really, like we were saying before, we're all whole, infinite, amazing beings that are here with imperfect brains and bodies, brains that are designed to do their job, whether we like it or not. And we're all just trying to, you know, figure this life out and and have the best experience that that we can through all of it. So, and here's the other thing is most people will get through their life and could absolutely use therapy from the things that they learned in their family. Because every single family has their own brand of crazy. Every Mm -hmm. single parent are going to get it wrong because they're imperfect and they're human. And so we sometimes put so much pressure on ourselves as parents to get it right, Mm -hmm. that we don't leave room to get it wrong. And that's where growth comes from is those mistakes and then learning from those mistakes and moving forward. So bringing it full circle to where we started with our kids, when your kids do something that trigger your trauma, I just want to have compassion with you. And I hope that you can have self-compassion with yourself that you're going to get triggered. Fears are going to come up. There's going to be things they say or do that is going to scare the crap out of you and make space for it, process it, do the work you need to do around that, whether it be individually with God, with a friend, with a therapist, with a coach, but do the work you need to do around it, get back to a place so then you can show up for your child in the way that you want to. And, and here's the other reality. When I was going through this, I had a baby two weeks after everything came out. And, but I also had a two-year-old 
and my two-year-old desperately needed his mama and he is his personality is like the tenderest personality as they come he is so freaking sweet he will to this day he's how old is he now he's eight now he has money candy anything that's really cool he just gives it to everyone in the family and he'll take the same amount as everyone else because he's just the biggest little heart but this little guy needed his mom he needed a mom who was there for him and very present and who could hold him and love him and be there for him and do all of those things. And the reality was, is I wasn't capable. And it, to this day, like still there's parts of me that I logically know that I did the best that I could. And I also know that my trauma impacted him. And that's really painful to see and to know that impacted him. And I wasn't able to be there for him. And I also have to really do my work and have that self-compassion of, I really was doing the absolute best that I could. And I believe that he has his own journey and that it will come full circle. And I have worked hard every single day of his life to be the best mom I can. And I still like work to this day of healing any attachment wounds that he has but it's not a closed book. Nobody is lost. There's no situation that can't move forward with healing in different ways. It's not hopeless. So yes, there were painful consequences and we can keep moving forward in healing. That's so beautiful. So when you're going through this and your kids do trigger you, whether it be your window of tolerance or your emotional capacity is at its limit, there are things you can do. So some of the things we talked about in the episode is noticing it, naming it, releasing it, doing your own work around it, not reacting in the situation. Amy, do you have any, you want to throw on top of that? Well, yeah, I thought just came to my mind about how, because I know there's women probably listening to this that are in the thick of it, probably raw trauma in the thick of it. And you are just not even like that point where you, I couldn't even grocery shop. I couldn't make a meal plan. I couldn't anything. And it, this is this, I feel like the whole conversation probably feels really, really heavy. And I just want to say something to those that are in this raw trauma who are in that place where you can hard, like you're just trying to get up every morning. Right. And you've got kids that are Uh, struggling themselves. I just want to throw out there, use resources around you. It does not mean you are a weak mom. Use resources. I mean, my kids were in freaking therapy for four and a half years. It was the best thing ever. They loved her. And if I wasn't in a place to hold their pain, I'd be like, go call Terry. (laughs) Like just, she can help you because I just can't do it right now. So there's so many resources for our kids, use them. I know that they're there, they're available. And honestly, I'm just going to speak bluntly, get over yourself, get them help. It's okay. It doesn't mean anything about you, but this is the best thing we can do for them. When we are at this place, where we just can't do it. And it's okay that you just can't do it right now for crying out loud. Give yourself, so to your point, self-compassion, right? Here's where you have self-compassion. I can't do mom stuff right now. 
just can't do it. And so rather than not doing it and then feeling the guilt and feeling the shame and reacting in, in a way that, that really doesn't line up with your own value system of how you want to behave as a mom, then maybe you need to consider and, and be even prayerful about the help and the resources and the incredible people that I personally know that God already has prepared for your children. I cannot tell you the amazing people. I think about them almost every day, the people that just showed up in my children's lives that I know <laughs> were sent to this earth to show up at this time for them. And I'm so grateful because I couldn't show up in a lot of ways, but God put other people in their path. And so I don't want you to feel like this is all on you either. It doesn't have to be. Pray for angels to come, <laughs> living angels, because they're there. And I know that God is aware of your kids. You don't have to bear this burden alone. Yeah. Let safe people in, let people help you. That is a perfect way to wrap up for today. So thank you. Thank you for being part of the conversation. And we look forward to talking with each of you next week. Join us next week as we continue our discussion and talk about how sometimes our children's behaviors can inadvertently trigger our trauma brain. Until then, we want to just encourage you to find those big wins you've had each day. It doesn't matter what it is. What's your big win today? We at Choose Recovery Services are here to celebrate your wins and to help you choose recovery, to choose healing, and to choose you. Take care, everybody.